Love It or Leave It is brought to you by Angels Envy. Envy is commonly regarded as a vice, but it can be a good thing. Envy can be a catalyst for creation, inspiring the world to raise the bar. And Angels Envy is a bourbon that is worth the envy. Angels Envy bends the rules. It's a little different from all the other bourbons out there because Angels Envy is the pioneer of secondary finishing in bourbon. Angels Envy is finished in port barrels, which adds a layer of complexity to the whiskey and gives it a unique and approachable flavor. Plus, Angels Envy is one of the first full production urban distilleries in downtown Louisville. And whether it's for someone special or to bring to a housewarming party, Angels Envy makes the perfect gift. These angels are so, they have so much envy with its unique bottle design. Angels Envy bourbon finished in port barrels is sure to be the envy of any bar cart too. Look for Angels Envy bourbon finished in port barrels. Please drink responsibly. Copyright 2024. Angels Envy bottled by Louisville Distilling Company, Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome, everybody, to the seventh episode of Love It or Leave It, Back in the Closet. It's back to the closet again. Oh, yes, it's back to the closet again. The virus is causing a great big old pause in our lives. John must go back to the closet again. Yeah, that incredible intro song is by Luke Holmes and Sid McSweeney in Columbus, Ohio. We want to use a new one each week. If you want to make one, send it to us at hey at crooked.com, and maybe we'll use yours. And you can tweet yours at me, too, because uh, I don't want to be left out. Uh, This week, we also asked you to call your senators and demand safe elections in November. So far, more than 3,000 of you have used the call tool on votesaveamerica.com slash call. And even if you haven't yet, you almost certainly have no excuse. There is a script. You go to the website. You fill in your information, you press a button, your phone rings as it's calling your senators for you. There's a script in front of you. It's super easy. Please, please, please do it. Uh, we also want to hear from you directly. Why do you need safer voting options this year? Send in a video to help us make the case to local and state governments and to Congress. Text it to us at 323-405-9944. Uh, 323-405-9944. Later in the show, we'll be joined by Congresswoman Katie Porter, Pulitzer Prize winner Ronan Farrow, whose turn mm-hmm. it is to empty the dishwasher, friend of the pod, Akilah Hughes, wow. and listeners. But first, he's a comedian, author, and in 2017 was named one of Portland Magazine's top 10 interesting Mainers, <laughs> the one, the only, John Hodgman. Oh, what a, what a power lineup. Today, I'm very and, I'm intimidated to be part and, of the show. Thank you very much for having me. Listen, your credit's there. I mean, most interesting <laughs> Mainers. I didn't know that I had made uh, the, the Portland Magazine list. That's pretty good. Portland, Maine. Wow. It's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. That's, uh, Portland is a, uh, the largest. It's not the capital of Maine, but it's the largest city of Maine. I spent a lot of time in Maine. It's got a lot of craft brewing. It's got a lot of people with tattoos and beards. Why They, they call it the Portland of Maine. <laughs> Terrible terrible you shouldn't have I'm, me here no i'm so happy to have you and i was so enjoying our build-up i wanted to know what it was going to be the thing of maine and that it turned out to be the portland of maine was such a delight oh that's such a pleasure oh my goodness oh my goodness well it's a lot of fun to be here i'm you know i'm a i'm a listener to the program i'm, I'm also a professional podcaster myself so there's a lot of collegiality here uh it's been great i've i've had a great time you know i um i don't know if you know this but i warmed up the audience today <laughs> You did, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I got out there. I did. A, I did uh, twenty-five minutes of virtual crowd work before you got out there. So they're re- they're really ready. I can I can tell. A lot of uh, nice wallpaper you got there. 
Yeah, that's right. What's your background? What's your background? The beach? <laughs> oh, I hate the beach. What's up with the beach? I don't have anything after that. Never mind. <laughs> as good as I got. I'm delighted. Uh, well, so so John has graciously agreed to be this week's monologue judge. You're actually a famed judge, a world-renowned judge. Yes, I have a podcast called Judge John Hodgman. Thank you. And so no one better to come and judge these jokes than you. It's quarantine times. We're all doing the best we can. That's, And I really hope that's the spirit you bring to evaluating the material that you're about to hear. Yeah, well, you just heard my crowd work garbage. Of course, I'm going to go easy. <laughs> all right, let's get into it. What a week. Security experts are raising the alarm over a bunch of privacy and security problems with Zoom, including, for example, that Zoom technically claims permission to use customers' private videos in ads. When a reporter reached Zoom for comment, a company spokesperson said, It's no wonder you're so angry, Jessica. I see you day after day in Zoom meetings, poised, professional, on top of it. But then I see you at night, Zooming with your ex-boyfriend, who treats you so terribly. And yet you never notice how Brian from research stares at you remembers that you were halfway through The Leftovers, asks you what you thought of the second season. You never notice because you don't feel safe inside an interaction where you are wanted. At Zoom, we take your privacy and happiness very seriously, Jessica. We only wish you would do the same for yourself. Yeah, that was a real journey. (laughs) Now, do you think that's a good opener or maybe a little too short? (laughs) (laughs) Not long enough. (laughs) That was just made me think about, first of all, like, it was the only thing I could think of was like, are they going to use my face in an ad? I hope so. I'll do anything to get back on an ad, any kind of ad. Please, please take me. Choose me. I'm a Zoom. You're a Google Hangout. You know what well, I mean? I don't, I don't know what you're referring to according to my NDA. I want to go back to work, Apple. I'm here. <laughs> I loved it. I loved Jessica. I felt, I felt really seen by Jessica's, the panopticon of Zoom. Now I feel like I'm an important person. Maybe someone's watching me. I like it. Maybe they're watching right now. Uh, Yeah. All right. Disney is moving to furlough 100,000 workers, but has not yet announced any plans to suspend dividends for shareholders of as much as $1.5 billion. Disney animators, however, are staying busy on a film called Beauty and the Beast in Capitalism, where Lumiere and Cogsworth are joined by a sentient guillotine named Mr. Slicey to launch a general (laughs) strike until the witch gives them back their bodies and lost wages as it makes no sense for these workers to be punished by having to serve a rude beast and abet his scheme to kidnap an arrogant young woman from town who starts every day by singing about how the baker is a provincial fucking moron. (laughs) John, do you think two long ones right away uh, was a blunder? (laughs) It was... was that was, I, you know, I, I started out by saying the first one was a ride. It was like getting stuck on Space Mountain <laughs> while high. Yeah, okay. Can we, get, um, can we get the jaws of life to Space Mountain? <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, a, in fact, even, even more, it was like getting stuck on Splash Mountain. It was like overstimulating and full of a, a racist IP, the Song of the South, that no one is even able to watch anymore. And all of a sudden, you're thrown off a cliff. You're also just a little wet. I am a little wet. That's true. So, oof, that neighbors. is true. They really, um, really delicately thread the needle there at Splash Mountain uh, with the parts of the story that they use. Yeah. <laughs> so, and also, it's like children don't know what the Song of the South, they don't know who Br'er Rabbit is. Even from just an IP point of view, never mind the, the, the horrible offense of that film. Like, it's, it's cuckoo. So that's how I felt listening to that joke. I felt like I was, my, my third time on Splash Mountain not understanding what was happening to me. But I love Mr. Guillotine. 
Ansel Elsgort, Elgort, Ansel yes. Elgort posted a partially nude photo of himself on Instagram along with a link to a GoFundMe to raise money for hospitals and healthcare workers. This was good news for everyone except Timothee Chalamet, who screamed at his manager, Gay baiting is my thing. <laughs> <laughs> that one was great. It's perfect setup, perfect payoff. Timothee. Tim- Timothee, Timothee, Timothee. How do you, how do you uh, say it? Timothee? I think Timothee? it's Timothee. I think it's supposed right. to be Timothee. I think, th- mm. I think. I don't know. I don't Ansel know. Elgort. Ansel, Ansel Elgort. Elgort. Timothee Chalamet. Park Slope's own. My my daughter used to see him shooting hoops at the YMCA before he hit it big. Wow. That's, that's my, cool. My, that's as close as I've gotten to Hollywood in a long time. <laughs> Meanwhile, turns out Twitter is mad at Nancy Pelosi for having a nice freezer. Of course, she needs a big, nice freezer. That's where she keeps the bodies. What bodies, you ask? Questions like that are how you end up in Nancy Pelosi's freezer. Hmm. She's a murderer. She's like a Hannibal <laughs> well, Lecter. She's right, right. The, 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 yeah, she's some guy. Well, we don't know that she's a murderer, right? She doesn't necessarily have had. She certainly uh, abets murder. Is is aware of murder. Is concealing bodies in the spirit in that joke. She's either a murderer or she keeps a morgue as a hobby. Or or she's kind of the. She doesn't. I mean, I, I you know it gets to be a semantic argument, but she may sit atop some kind of syndicate, oh. and her you know her henchmen are out there committing murders, maybe ordered by her, maybe just in the course of business. Real QAnon stuff. Yeah. This will all get hashed out in The Great Awakening (laughs) once the mole children are released. (laughs) Earlier this week, Dr. Anthony Fauci said on an Instagram Live with Will Smith that the tooth fairy is immune to the virus and that she can still visit homes by practicing social distancing. Unfortunately, the tooth fairy's payments will be a few weeks late because Trump demanded his signature be on every check. (laughs) Speaking of our fair president, this week, President Trump signed an executive order to suspend immigration for 60 days, saying this would prevent foreigners from bringing the coronavirus into the country, despite the fact that we have the most cases anywhere in the world. This is a bit like when a hoarder doesn't want Dr. Zazio to come into the house. The hoarder is standing in front of a rotten jack-o'-lantern in April, and there are cat bones under the Lazy Boy, and he's still like, careful, you'll make a mess. Governor Brian Kemp of Georgia announced that tattoo parlors, bowling alleys, and hair salons will be reopened in his state thanks to, quote, new data. The new data, of course, was his wife saying, you promised me when we got married I wouldn't have to stop fucking Derek, the best bowler on the tattoo parlors team, and I can't (laughs) let him see these roots. I love how you tied that all together. The best bowler on the tattoo parlor team. That's amazing. In a rare rebuke, Donald Trump said he strongly disagrees with Governor Kemp's decision to reopen businesses, although he understands the impulse because, quote, she really needs to keep fucking Derek. <laughs> <laughs> now you're building a world. Now you're yeah. building a world. I yeah. like that. Yeah, very, very good. I love callbacks. I love callbacks, especially to Derek, that guy. Boy, oh boy. In equally terrifying news, Carolyn Goodman, the mayor of Las Vegas, went on Anderson Cooper to call for the reopening of casinos. Here's what she said. How do you know until we have a control group? We offer to be a control group. Anybody who knows anything about statistics knows that, for instance, you have a vaccine. You're offering the the citizens of Las Vegas to be a control group. Look, we've all been asking for it for years, but finally, Las Vegas is ready to gamble with human lives. Ah, beautiful. Not to be outdone by a woman, Trump said this in his Thursday press conference. Supposing we hit the body with a tremendous, uh, whether it's ultraviolet or just very powerful light. And I think you said that hasn't been checked, but you're going to test it. And then I said, supposing you brought the light inside the body, which you can do either through the skin or uh, in some other way, 
And I think you said you're going to test that, too. Sounds interesting. We'll get the right, folks who right. And then I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or, or almost a cleaning? Because you see it gets on the lungs and it does a tremendous number of the lungs. So it'd be interesting to check that so that you're going to have to use medical doctors with. But it sounds it sounds interesting to me. So we'll see. But the whole concept of the light, the way it kills it in one minute, that's uh, that's pretty powerful. Now, I see a lot of you urging people not to drink bleach. Okay, but it's worth some introspection. None of you cared about this issue or even talked about it until Donald Trump, the dreaded Donald Trump, brought it up. And then all of a sudden you hate the idea. Interesting. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah, we were all all the liberals were like, yeah, I enjoy some bleach from time to time. Why? When we're... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, over at the Yale Club, we sometimes have bleach yeah. martinis all the time. But uh, but that's not for them. That's not for the rest of them. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's for us when we go to our uh, cocktail receptions at the Planned Parenthood. That's when we have our bleach. <laughs> that's right. When I'm, go- when I'm going over to uh, uh, Rocket Ship Pizza or whatever to, uh, <laughs> to visit with the uh, Illuminati. Right, right. Go down to the basement. Of course, I'm going to have a little Formula 409 with my, with my drink. <laughs> Formula 409. I like, yeah, that's great. I cut up uh, Clorox wipes and use them like tabs, oh. you know, like uh, <laughs> <laughs> like uh, I microdose. Yeah, I think everyone everyone has been thinking about the different ways you can inject, take, dose, sniff, eye drop, bleach, and various purels and other disinfectants for comedic effect. I think you hit it with that one. Cut well, up Clorox you. wipes. And use them as tabs. That's the best one. That's the best <laughs> thank one. Thank you, John. Oh. Yeah, it'll never be topped. Never be this... topped. <laughs> so all of this came after Trump's previous amateur medical research began to fall apart when a panel of experts at the National Institutes of Health strongly advised against the use of hydroxychloroquine. Studies have started to show that patients taking the drug actually may have a higher chance of dying. I, for one, John, can't believe that Rudy Giuliani, a man who always looks like he chose the wrong chalice in the grail chamber 10 seconds ago, gave bad medical advice. I want you to know something. I have this. When I knew that you were here, I knew that talking about somebody having just drank from the wrong cup. Wrong chalice. Right up your alley. Chalice was what made the joke. Yes. Obviously. Chalice is amazing. What's happening? I, you know what I you know what I liked your pronunciation of hydroxychloroquine. Well, Hydro- it's hard. It's hard. It is hard, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that. It took two tries. Hydroxychloroquine. Hydroxychloroquine. I, I forced myself to learn how to pronounce it because I could not stand the fact that Donald Trump could say that word effortlessly. It seemed, whereas I was getting stuck on hydroxychloroquine. This is like when when um uh, Ahmadinejad was a name we all had to know. Yeah. And people figured it out that you could say, uh, I'm a dinner jacket to help you figure out Akhman Dinerjad, I'm a dinner jacket. That's how I, that's how I retained it. Uh, I didn't get that memo on the Illuminati wire. Yeah. Uh, we must've been out that day. Meanwhile, two new studies came out this week saying the number of people with coronavirus antibodies may be higher than we anticipated with as many as 21% of New Yorkers potentially having already had the virus. Unfortunately, those numbers are expected to be lower in a few weeks after coronavirus published a too-long medium post titled Following Joan Didion to say that it was leaving New York for Los Angeles because the city was changing and no longer as inspiring as it was just a few short years ago. You had me at too-long medium post. (laughs) In a sense, that's redundant. Right. 
But right. I love I love two adding too long to medium post. That's a delight to me. Well done. Thank you. Mitch McConnell indicated on Thursday that he was worried about the national debt and it was time to, quote, hit pause on coronavirus aid, despite the fact that the number of new unemployed Americans has ballooned to 26 million in just five weeks. Uh, this is all a bit of a game because Trump wants to keep injecting money into the economy, and he said so explicitly. But the more Trump and McConnell need a deal, the more power Nancy Pelosi and the House Democrats will have in the negotiations. You don't walk into a car dealership and say, no matter what happens, I'm buying a car. <laughs> so that's less of a joke and more of an observation yeah. about the situation that we're yeah. in. Yeah, but that is what I would say walking into a car dealership. That's why I, that's why I laughed because you saw into my soul. I must buy a car today. Yeah. Everyone here, I, I don't even know why I walked into this room, but I know I'm walking out with a car. Here's, here's my hope, social security number. Take whatever you need. <laughs> I, hope, I hope you give me a good deal because I am definitely buying a car and I yeah. have done no research. Yeah. And I want whatever kind of coating you can put on that car, double it because I know that you're going to talk me into it. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to see. Yeah. I want undercoat. I want overcoat. Yeah. All right. Coat everything. Coat everything. Coat the <laughs> steering wheel, everything. <laughs> Upsell me. <laughs> and yeah, I want, did you say spoiler? I want it. <laughs> I, I, and I know it's a Honda, I know it's a Honda Odyssey. Get a spoiler on that thing. And finally, a clip of Senator Mark Warner made the rounds this week after he made a tuna melt by emptying a can of tuna onto two slices of white bread, slathered it with mayonnaise, added two slices of cheese, and then placed this sandwich in the microwave for 30 seconds. Oh my God. Ah. <laughs> uh. Had you not seen this? I didn't know this news at all. No, I didn't. And it's, I mean, it affects me personally because tuna melt is the perfect sandwich. It's, I, how can, it shouldn't exist. It shouldn't be good. It's disgusting by its definition. And yet it is somehow alchemical, uh, more than the sum of its parts. If you make it correct. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. Is the joke coming now? I'm going to do a bunch of them. So don't you can, we can talk about it. The, the, this is going to be. I was just going to ask, was there even a joke or were you just looking to make my heart stop? Well, when I saw your reaction and you looked a little bit like Jodie Foster uh, when she believed <laughs> that they should have sent a poet. <laughs> you were just a kind of awe at what you were observing. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't decided to stop and talk about it, but I, I can do the jokes now. You ready for the jokes? No, I'm, I'm more ready than I've ever been now. Uh, we're going to do a couple right in a row, and you can decide which one you like best. All right. When the sandwich came out of the microwave, the tuna melt screamed, Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> When it came out of the microwave, it screamed, the Little Mermaid sends a terrible message to young girls. Mm, that's true. When it came out of the microwave, it screamed, watching 90s movies now, it's shocking how much the culture has changed. It was actually a long time ago. <laughs> and when it came out of the microwave, the tuna melt screamed, drink bleach. Yeah, I mean, here's, here's what I'm going to say. We have choices A, A, B, C, D. A is the Epstein one, that one, immediate laugh. I'm not even sure why that tuna sandwich said that. But I, but I liked it. Well, I just think that, I think the, yes, it's interesting. It's, it's this. It doesn't need to be explained. It's just a, a gut reaction that I have. But you go ahead, please. I thought I would try. Here is yeah. my theory on why the tuna melt said. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm into it. Yeah. Initially, I was like, you don't need to explain it. But now but I let's need talk it through. Here's why I think the yeah. sandwich shouted that. So this is an evil thing. Yeah. The sandwich is coming out of the microwave is in some way evil. It's pure Satan. In the microwave, when you're melting the cheese on the mayonnaise, on the white bread in a way that shouldn't happen, taking this thing that can be made good by combining these disparate and uh, uh, unconnected ingredients into sort of an amalgam, as you said. Right. But if you fail, you make something horrid. And this is something that has seen the face of evil. It knows evil. <laughs> and so when it comes out, it has things to tell us about what it saw. Mm -hmm. that, was, that was my mm -hmm. theory. Right. 
I, I love it. I, to me, it was just a non sequitur, but one that I loved a lot. Yeah. I mean, well, yes, that, that's fair. I mean, then I think then it kind of goes off the rails because now it's just a sandwich with ideas. I, uh, the thing about The Little Mermaid is, is true mm-hmm. and, and, and something that needed to be said. Thank you. <laughs> Failed tuna melt, but not, <laughs> not the greatest joke. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. The, the thing about the 90s being further away than you think poignant for a man my age so more poignant than funny it's actually something that i i've jammed in here because it's been on my mind let's hear it because i at night i i there i've ron and i have been watching series and we watch we, we try to watch very intensely when we're watching something that's good right like when we're watching something that right. is truly excellent no phones let's pay attention let's appreciate this sure. but there are times where i just want because it's so stressful given the news and everything for i'm just reading a lot of kind of bad news all day sometimes i just want to watch something dumb while playing a, a game on my phone and so I've been going to the 90s movies well, right. and I've been watching uh, the Pierce Brosnan James Bond movies. Oh, yeah. And I've been watching The Saint with Val Kilmer. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I don't think you can say, I have been watching The Saint. No, because you could- Like, <laughs> as though you're parceling out every, like, I can't watch more than 10 minutes a day, but or I, else it'll be over too soon. It, well, it's more that you can't really watch more than 10 or 15 minutes of that movie without saying, I gotta get out. Right. This thing is- bananas but what you yeah. but in watching those movies the gender politics of these films sure. are so bonkers bonkers and it and 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 what's amazing about it too is that there's an that all these movies have this idea baked into them but it's like it's the 90s history is over everything yeah. is fucking cool and chill men and women right. we're good now we're done yeah. we solved it yeah. and then they are so uh but uh, misogynistic <laughs> almost at every turn. We're all wearing earth tones together. Uh, what a time. What a time. What a time. But I think what, what I think is great about your observation is that it's not just we used to think differently back then, but back then we used to think differently and we thought we had figured out everything. Yes. We truly thought it was the end of history. Yes. That we had solved it all and it was done. We were going to use an Apple Newton to communicate with each <laughs> yes, other. Yes, that's right. Forever. That's right. That's right. We were taking our little stylus out to uh, convert yeah. text into type ever so delicately. Yeah. Right. It'll never get better than this. Yeah. Can you believe it? We not only have the X-Files, we also have a Lance Henriksen spinoff, Millennium. How can it get better than How this? How can it get better than this? Did you hear Jay Leno's latest monologue about that slut? <laughs> <laughs> Things are perfect. Yeah, we finally fixed it. We finally fixed society. History has now come to an end. It's And it's worth thinking about now what we'll look back on as having been, even for those of us that consider ourselves progressive on the left, like what we were missing. Yes. I, I, now, I now understand blind spots a little bit better than I did before, but I'm sure I've got a million of them. Well, John Hodgman. What? This was a genuine delight. Oh, thank you so this much. This was so fun. John Hodgman, thank you so much. Thank this you. was so great. Thank you so much, John. When we come back... Uh, we're going to talk to listeners about things that are bothering you uh, while you're stuck at home. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. Love It or Leave It is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home. On top of the wide variety of houseplants available, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Mike Pence should have gotten one of those after the election day. 
<laughs> the experts at Fast Growing Trees curate thousands of plants for all climates, locations, and needs. Available 24-7, you can talk to a plant expert about your soil type, landscape designs, and how best to take care of your plants. The point is, I may not have a green thumb, but that's why Fast Growing Trees is perfect for me, because it makes it so easy. Right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LOVEIT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code LOVEIT at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code LOVEIT. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back. Like all of our Back in the Closet episodes, this is an experiment, and we wanted to try something new. So as of this moment, this is like Planet Fitness Before the Plague, a judgment-free zone. I will call some listeners, and in under 30 seconds, they can tell me their petty grievances, no matter how small. It doesn't matter how insignificant or stupid or selfish. We want to know what's upsetting you most, but not the most in this pandemic. This is your chance to vent in a segment Travis stole from a hip-hop radio station from Connecticut he heard in 2006 called... Tell them why you're mad. Let's hit the phone lines. Hi, is this Molly? <laughs> yes, hi. All right, well, you're on with John. It's happening. I'm saying the catchphrase. Oh, my the God. Fact that, the fact that you're on is not a big enough anything to say that it's happening. It's more my using the catchphrase. Molly, uh, here's the deal. This is a segment called Tell Them Why You're Mad, a perfect name. In about 30 seconds, tell us what is bothering you. <laughs> Okay, um, so we have been quarantined, my husband and I, for, uh, God, what day, year is it? I don't even know. Let's say two months. Mm -hmm, sure. Uh, my husband is actually a talent agent, so he shaves for work every day. He has decided to stop shaving. He has not been shaving for, let's say, six-ish weeks. The thing is, John, he looks great in the beard. He's got a good full beard going on. It looks fantastic. Okay. But I am not used to it. We have been together for seven years, and it is like kissing sandpaper. But I'm conflicted because he's really enjoying the beard. I am calling it his emotional support beard because he just kind of <laughs> like fluffs it up and plays around with it now when he's bored. Okay. The other side of this is that his sister, my sister-in-law, is a doctor and has told us, both of us, that it's a breeding ground for germs. So I don't know what to do. So I think you were in a very morally defensible position and then until you started trying to claim that beards, which have been with us a very long time, are suddenly a health hazard. Uh I'm not sure what you should do. It seems like something you guys should negotiate between yourselves. It sounds like you don't find it unattractive. You just don't like being up next to it. And I kind of understand that. I'm going to tell you what's making me mad, Molly. Sure. Here's what's making me mad specifically, which is when people are out walking right now, there has been developed a kind of new evolving set of social norms, mores, manners around the kind of delicate... You keep the sidewalk. I'm going into the street because we're going to remain six feet apart. Sure, of course. My problem is uh, there is a tiny subset of people who basically treat it like a game of chicken. And they walk towards you. They don't say hello. Yes. They don't acknowledge you. And they basically dare you late in the game to start moving into the street. And look, I, I think it's a delicate dance who goes into the street and who stays on the sidewalk. But I think it's just incumbent upon everybody to just sort of 
say hello from afar, say hi, hi, make a kind of shrug, a kind of shrug that says, I know it's a kind of awkward thing, but you should go in the street this time because I've got a dog that's an asshole or <laughs> I'm going to go in the street because you seem nice. But it's all about that that exchange of glances and the shared humanity that a tiny subset of people are not um, expressing and that bothers me. Is that okay, Molly? I think that's okay and that's valid. I totally notice the difference of people who do and do not have dogs. Do you think that people who have the dogs need a little bit more space, but yet still here we are trying to walk around and not get tangled in a leash while also keeping the six feet. I totally get it. Thank you, Molly. Thank you for calling. Thank you, John, so much. This was fantastic. <laughs> we have been listening. We've been going for drives on Saturdays and listening to Love It or Leave It is our one thing of sanity in order to uh, actually get out in the world. So thank you for being a part of that. All right. Bye, Molly. Thanks. Bye, John. Thank you. Hi, is this Mallory? Yeah. Who calling? Hi, this is uh, John Lovett calling from Love It or Leave It. How's it going? Uh, good. Hold on. I have to tell my husband that you're calling. Okay. So, okay. It's John Lovett. Yeah. Uh, cool. <laughs> What's your husband's yeah. name? His name is Sam. So it's Sam and Mallory. Yep. Mallory, what is on your mind? What is bothering you? Um, my husband is very strict about our mail and our packages, and he requires everything to bake um, for three days. And he has a very intense system, so it means that I cannot get my uh, my stuff that I order. It's mm-hmm. very petty. It's very shallow. But I really would like to get my sweatpants and face creams and my like low FODMAP cookbooks. Uh, but I'm not allowed to touch things until they have officially baked for three days to protect them from coronavirus. They got to bake. Look, I understand where Sam is coming from. He wants things to bake. He wants it well done out there for three days. Now, have you discussed the possibility of opening the packages, then throwing away the outer part of the package, and then vigorously washing your hands? Is that unacceptable to uh, Sam Fauci, your husband? Yes, it is absolutely unacceptable to him. He's very anal about this. Uh-huh. I have told him this. He says, no, it's not worth it. Um, and it makes me feel very shallow, and I recognize that I am. Yeah, no, it's tough. Um, hey, what else bothers you about your husband loving you so much he wants to protect you? <laughs> um, he's very strict about everything with coronavirus. <laughs> he won't let me go anywhere. <laughs> now it sounds like you're um, a cult wife. But, but listen, <laughs> every couple right now has an epidemiologist and a Trump protester. Every single I'm couple. I'm not a Trump there's, protester. I'm there's one part. No, I'm, it's a, I'm, I'm taking it too far. I'm taking it too far. But every couple has one person being like, I just read The Lancet. Here's where the disease is right now. Here's the latest on droplets and how far droplets go. And then there's one person in the couple that's like, fuck off. I'm going to the beach. I'm not going to go to the beach. I have my backyard. I'm not a Trump supporter. But, the, but if you took it to that extreme, I, I am, I'm on the further end of the wanting to leave my okay. house. Okay. Okay. So let me tell you, Mallory, what's bothering me mm-hmm. because that's part of it. Now it's an exchange of ideas. Mm-hmm. So there's a website called Quibi. Mm-hmm. Now here's the deal with Quibi. All right. It's about quick bites. All right. And you download the app and you watch a two minute movie about Rachel Brosnahan uh, having her uh, arm chopped off. That's a real movie on Quibi. It's three minutes long. Now here's the thing. Not enough people know about Quibi because they put a lot of money. I want Quibi to succeed. I'm here rooting for Quibi. And nobody knows what Quibi is. Mallory, do you know what Quibi is? I actually do. So you know what Quibi is. Does Sam Fauci know what it is? I don't know if he does, Sam. Do you know what Quibi is? Are they a sponsor of Yellow Box? Is this a 
asking this question? They're not a, that's a great, why do I keep asking? They're not a sponsor, really. I, <laughs> I don't think so. But so, so here's the thing. On Quibi, you're not allowed to take screenshots. They turned off the screenshot feature so that if you try to take a screenshot of Quibi content, you can't share it. They also sent a cease and desist letter to a fan podcast where people just talked about Quibi shows to try to get other people to see Quibi shows because they weren't officially associated with Quibi. And my plea to the people at Quibi, all right, is let people take a screenshot and tweet out what they saw on Quibi and let people have a podcast about Quibi because otherwise nobody's going to know what Quibi is. That's all. That's all I had to say about Quibi. I think you have a valid point. It's a bad social media. It's not using the value of UGC, user-generated content. That's such a good point. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and are you guys, are you both working from home? Yep. Both working from home. Okay. Well, stay safe. I just opened the packages and then vigorously washed my hands, but I can't, I'm not going to tell anybody how to live. You're right. You're right. But um, maybe I'll try that this weekend and, and see what my husband says. <laughs> Maybe cut the baking time down by a day. That's all. He says that's fair. That seems fair. Uh, Mallory, thank you so much. Thanks so much. Have a good one. Bye. Hi, is this Eric? Yeah, this is Eric. You're on with John. Welcome to Love It or Leave It. On with John. Thank you. It's great to be here. (laughs) It's great to have you. So this is a segment where uh, it's called Tell Them Why You're Mad. So tell them why you're mad. People eating on Zoom calls. I had a guy today eating soup, you know, like mm-hmm. without muting his phone and it was disgusting and it made me very angry, but I it was on video so I could not show that. So that was my, my gripe. I think that's totally reasonable. I think that is totally reasonable. You can just mute yourself for the chewing sounds. Just keep the chewing sounds off the Zoom. Yes. It's not that hard. Or it's a 20 minute meeting, 20 minute meeting. He could have you know, waited. He could have waited. Now, look, I don't know his life. I don't know his life. I don't know your life. He might have back-to-back-to-back Zooms. What time was this meeting? Uh, it was noon his time. So it was lunchtime, uh, which is fair. But, but, so here's my thing. I think that if somebody is eating a meal at a noon Zoom, that's unacceptable because that's an early lunch. You know, that's just <laughs> like... Look, we know, look, we, we're not in college anymore. If you're eating lunch before noon, noon, there's something wrong with you. But if you're eating lunch at noon on the dot, that's a convenience. That's a delight. So my, th- yeah. I think that if it's 1.30, 2 o'clock, and somebody's eating in a meeting, it may be a little bit performative, but they're saying, I'm busy. At noon, I think if it was only 20 minutes, he should have waited. I agree. I agree. Yes, exactly. Thank you. I appreciate your support for my frustration. Eric, can I tell you every single thing I've eaten until this point today? And I just want everyone to know that it's 5.08 PM California time. Can I just, I'm going to walk you through what I ate. You ready? Uh, Yeah, I'm ready. Uh, For breakfast, I had shrimp fried rice. Okay. For lunch number one, I had a peanut butter sandwich with honey with a side of Cheetos. Escalating. Yeah. For lunch number two, I had uh, tortilla chips with melted cheddar cheese slices, and white sauce from Halal Guys. <laughs> and then I also ate the chocolate chip cookie I ordered to get rid of the delivery fee right, right. Uh, from the order. Take you over the limit, yeah. Yeah, I get that. Do you think that I need help? What do you think I should do? All right, so my question is, I know you have Zoom meetings, as I, you guys have talked about. Did you do any of that during one of those? No, all of that was eaten in privacy. 
That was all eaten alone. Um, <laughs> if it helps, the, the 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 shrimp fried rice was eaten while standing in the kitchen. Ah, no, that's cool. That's how I eat most of my meals. I guess. Mm-hmm. I think you're mm-hmm. you're you're mm-hmm. all you're all right. Okay. Thanks, Eric. Uh, are you working from home right now? Yeah, I am. What do you do? Uh, I'm a data analyst. So you can you've been you can analyze data anywhere. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and I was in the office before, but I think this silver lining of all these horrible deaths are, you know, maybe I'll get to work from home more. All right. Well, sort of a kind of a tough hit on your colleagues, but uh, if you don't want to see them, I don't want to force you. <laughs> uh, Eric, thank you so much for calling in, and uh, uh, talk to you later. Hey, thanks a lot, man. Bye. When we come back, an interview with Katie Porter. Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. Did you know that women make up 56% of law students? That's grounds for bragging rights at the dinner table for your conservative uncle who still thinks women belong in the kitchen. It's clear that the future of the legal field is female. So why are so many legal podcasts and reviews authored by men? Hi, I'm Leah Littman. I'm Kate Shaw. And with Melissa Murray, we are the hosts of Strict Scrutiny. Each week, we break down the latest headlines and biggest legal questions facing our country through the lens of diverse voices to give you expert views you won't hear anywhere else. Strict Scrutiny is your guide to the Supreme Court. New episodes drop every Monday, plus bonuses whenever the Supreme Court takes away another one of our rights. Make sure to subscribe to Strict Scrutiny wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. She's a white knight for oversight and puts fright in the right when she takes up the fight. I did it. I practiced it and I did it. A professor, attorney, and representative for California's 45th Congressional District, Congresswoman Katie Porter. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. You heard the rhyme at the top? Yes, I did. Okay, good. So first of all, you recently traveled to D.C. from California to vote on a $484 billion coronavirus package. I want to talk to you about the bill, but first, what is it like right now to travel and then participate in a vote in the House when most of the country is socially distancing? Well, we in the House today tried to practice social distancing measures. So I wore a mask. Uh, my colleagues mostly wore masks. There were different voting procedures than typical. So rather than the sort of big scrum of people pressing up against each other on the House floor, we voted in small groups. Um, and voting took a little bit longer, but we each went to the floor to try to maintain that distance. Um, they turned the aisles um, instead of kind of pushing and shoving to get where you needed to be. It was sort of a one-way system, not unlike what people I think are used to um, in California and grocery stores, for example. Uh, but it's definitely an odd time um, to travel, and it was a time for me to reflect on how grateful I am for all of the essential workers who are going out of their homes every day, putting their lives on the line to make it possible for us to get what we need in terms of goods and services. So I know you've talked about the importance of finding some kind of remote voting solution so that Congress can do its job and we're not just left with an unchecked president. But what are you thinking about right now in terms of oversight and holding hearings and making sure that that role of Congress is fulfilled as well. Yeah. So we need to think about how to do all the aspects of our job remotely. The voting, while very, very important, I think is not necessarily the thing we're having the most challenges for right now. I think the challenges is in showing the American people that we're hearing them, that we're engaged in conversations about how to address their concerns, that we are doing that oversight over the administration. Um, and so I think we need to start having remote hearings uh, by video, um, if possible, because I, and I'll give you a perfect example that I think really illustrates the difference that it makes. 
there's been a flurry of letters. I cannot tell you, I spend an hour a day probably reading letters from colleagues that they want to send to different administration officials or different CEOs. I sent a letter to the director of the CDC back in early March. And you know what he did when he got that letter? He blew me off. He didn't respond. We gave him a deadline, no response. Unbelievable. Deadline, no response. But when he came into that hearing room, was sworn in under oath and the cameras were turned on and I was pressing him and, and pressing him and pressing him, helping to expose why the only possible answer you could give to whether coronavirus testing ought to be free, regardless of insurance, is yes, we got that answer for the American people. And I think that kind of oversight, while preferable to do it in person, we're not, we don't get to be, you know, we don't get to have preferences right now. We have to do what's best for public health. And I do think that I could do this remotely and have that kind of oversight remotely. And I think the other thing that's we're missing right now is conversations with Republican colleagues. So I think there's a lot of concerns that we're not, Congress members aren't talking to each other. I get tons of texts and emails and caucus calls and things like that. But the first Republican member that I spoke to since March 17th were the three that were on my airplane from Charlotte to DC when I made my connection. So the kind of how do we make sure that we have that the rank and file members of Congress participating in the oversight is really, really, really important. So one thing we've been pushing for at Crooked is we've been having people call Congress to make sure that there's uh, the $2 billion at least in funding for vote by mail rules for every state so that uh, everyone can vote safely in November, expanded early voting, all those important priorities. We've been pushing on that front. One of the challenges right now is we're not totally sure because some of the negotiations are necessarily behind closed doors. It's all happening relatively quickly given the scale of the emergency. Sometimes it's hard to know what somebody who just cares about making sure that the bill is as progressive as possible, does as much as possible, can make sure their voice is heard, that their calls are doing the right thing. What would you encourage people listening out to call on Congress to do? Yeah, no, I mean, look, voting is incredibly important. And as a Californian, I've seen firsthand how well mail voting works. And it's really unfortunate that we have a president who is repeating untrue and inaccurate information, suggesting anything other than the truth, which is that fraud is not a problem with mail voting. Mail voting is extremely accurate. It's extremely friendly. Um, it, it expands the opportunity to vote. And so I think it's important that Congress advocate for that. But this president is very, very resistant to it. So I do think there's going to come a point. We've been in this position where the speaker has been negotiating with McConnell and the administration. And then we get told, like, here's the best we can get. And sometimes the best we can get leaves a lot to be desired. I think we are going to come to the point where we're going to have to say, this is what is needed and really put it to McConnell and to the president that if they don't want to step up and do what's right for our democracy, that we are willing to do that. Um, but you're always balancing that against the really painful and immediate need that you see in your community. And if there's a willingness across the aisle to address that, that you want to get that done. Like, I'm sincerely, like, sort of asking, like, how you find that line. Like, so, you know, today we had this vote, right? 355 voted yes, five voted no, one is AOC, you know, a progressive champion. You are a progressive champion. You made a different, very difficult decision about what's best for your constituents right now. How do you draw that line 
when we need Democrats to have a united front to make sure we get the best bill possible while at the same time it is an emergency. There are and there are legitimate good aspects of the bills that you're saying no to in the midst of the fight. Yeah. So let me suggest that part of the solution here, I think, is to get some of the institutions of Congress working again. I think we're in danger of having a two-person House of Representatives and a two-person Senate, right? Because we haven't adopted these remote voting processes. We're not having the normal bipartisan conversations. And so even if you think about something like a hearing where that alternates questioning, Democrat, Republican, Democrat, Republican, and every rank and file member gets their five minutes in the hearing, we've lost a lot of those institutions. And with it, I think we've lost the voice of the full range of the American people. And so I think we have the party leaders doing their best to come to agreement. But by definition, because they're party leaders, these are people who are strongly committed to advancing the party, not necessarily to trying to bridge the divide between the parties, right? And so I think this is where I think remote voting will expand and remote hearings and opportunities for um, transparency to the American people, Republicans and Democrats, you know, not side by side or across the aisle anymore, but, you know, next to each other on Zoom. I think that is then able to make more clear to the American people where there is agreement and where there are fissures. And I think that's there's a public accountability to helping us bridge those gaps um, that we don't have when this is all being presented as here it is. It's wrapped and tied with a bow on it. Yeah. This is the best thing we could come up with. Take it or leave it. And I think we're losing some of that, the voice of all of the American people without having remote processes. What is the challenge? Like, What stops a committee chair right now from saying, we're doing a hearing, we're going to do it remotely, we're starting tomorrow? What is, what, what is the obstacle to that just happening organically? Uh, right now, the situation is that in order to have true hearings where witnesses were sworn in and it was an official congressional hearing, we would need to change the rules because the rules contain language about physically appearing before the committee. I came to D.C. anticipating that I would be voting to change those very rules. And yet we learned yesterday, oops, we're not going to do that. The Republicans object. But you wonder why we didn't start a bipartisan conversation about having remote processes six weeks ago. Because right. six weeks ago, back on March 14th, when we passed the Families First Act in the middle of the night, I delivered a bipartisan letter with 50 signatures to Speaker Pelosi and Minority Leader McCarthy. So there was momentum then, six weeks ago, bipartisan momentum toward remote processes. And I think we should have taken advantage of that momentum and that eagerness then to move forward on this. And so now I think we're in a situation where Democrats are saying we want it and Republicans don't. And Republicans are saying we have to get back to work and Democrats are saying, well, of course we do. And so but I want to say one positive thing. We are seeing some committee chairs move in the right direction. And a great example of this is tomorrow um, I am scheduled to have a remote telephonic hearing. It's really, a, it's not an official hearing. It's, it's more of a, a meeting, a, a dialogue with the director of the census through the Committee on Oversight and Reform. So Chairwoman Maloney has made it clear that she expects him to get on the call. We actually had this call scheduled for earlier. We all dialed in no director of the census, right? And so it's hard for me to imagine 
that somebody would not show up and there would be an empty chair sitting there before the hearing room. And so I think the video aspect, the personal appearance aspect of this is really, really important. So I'm looking forward though tomorrow to having a dialogue hopefully with the census director. That's an example of how we're getting started toward this. But to be clear, we've lost six weeks. So just now we're hearing Democrats say, well, we should test technology. We should start training members. We should start practicing. We should start, you know, identifying security concerns. We had six weeks to do that. And we, we lost. We all collectively lost. The American people collectively lost during that time. It's no laughing matter, but I am definitely thinking about how challenging it would be to teach some of these septuagenarian members of Congress how to use Zoom. Oh, well, absolutely. <laughs> but to be clear, it is very hard I find to be a younger person trying to adapt <laughs> to all of the procedures preferred by septuagenarians or octogenarians. So it goes both <laughs> ways, right? And and look, one of the things we keep hearing is, well, members' comfort level with technology differs, all right? Which, to <laughs> right. which I take it to mean some members don't know how to use these tools. But people can be taught. I, I was a professor. People can learn how to use technology. Someone's technological capacity is not a fixed thing. I understand that some members don't want to change. I understand that some members have flip phones, but we are asking school teachers and business owners and all of these other people to adapt. And yet we think what the work we do is so, so special, right? And so there's kind of a cultural exceptionalism about this that really bothers me. Yeah. I mean, my daughter is eight and she has had to learn how to Zoom. At least, I mean, look. Mark Warner can microwave a tuna melt. Oh, my God. You know? That amount of mayonnaise was really a lot for me. He didn't even mix it up. I know. He didn't even mix it up. a lot of mayonnaise, too. I mean. You got to mix it in. That's not a tuna salad. That's You got to mix it in. Yeah. No, I thought Kamala's video was really funny. Yeah, I think it was good. I think it was. I think he needed the training. I guess I missed the why he was ever making a tuna melt on video. So here's. Here's my feeling, all right? This is my conspiracy theory, all right? Which is, I think this was designed to go viral. I think that this was a hand-washing video designed to spread, and I think it works. I think they cracked the code. That's what I think. Yeah. So I've now become quite adept at how to get the light for my videos and how to prop up my iPad on six books and using a paperweight so I can make sure that my, you know, I'm not filming too high or filming too low. People can learn. Um, but what we shouldn't be doing is putting the public health of our communities at risk by traveling when there is a viable remote alternative. And I think that's something that's being lost. I mean, some of these people are saying, well, um, you know, members signed up for this, members should, you know, travel. I have no problem with taking on a certain amount of risk to do my job because I see every day in talking to my community that there are truck drivers and there are warehouse workers and there are grocery store workers that are taking on risk. But if we had a way for them to do their job remotely with just a little bit of training, boy, I would want them to do that. And so for me, it's about the fact that when I got on that airplane yesterday, there were 75 other people on my first flight and the gate agents and the flight attendants and the pilots and all of those people are being put at risk. We also have a bunch of these members of Congress who are resistant to technology in part because maybe they're a little bit older are in a high risk category. And we've already seen a number of members be sidelined. I mean, we need the Congress to be functioning. If not a pandemic, this is a crisis that is coming. And, and I understand that there are legitimate good faith concerns about opening up this box for the first time, really, 
in our history. There are legitimate concerns, but it does seem like they must be addressable, that there are ways to make sure it's only used in the most exigent of circumstances, right? Exactly. And one thing I often point out to people is just because we adopt a process for remote voting doesn't mean we have to use it for every single vote. So there may well be votes where it's really important for us all to come back here because we're going to have debate and we're going to have a procedural motion and we really need to be here in dialogue. But there are other bills that are just languishing that would pass with virtually everybody voting yes. Bills that we would normally pass on what we call suspension. We could be voting on those remotely now. And in fact, the odds are probably higher that some of my colleagues would read the bill if they got it in an email than they would if they were rushing around the Capitol all day with a bunch of crazy meetings. So we, we don't have to limit ourselves to only using this method, but it's giving us another tool. And let's face it, this pandemic is unprecedented, but it's not the first or the only time that we have needed and wanted to vote quickly and had the challenges of physically assembling Um, We've had to confront those. I've only been in Congress 16 months, and I've already had to deal with this with the shutdown, which is fly back. We're going to vote to open the government. We vote to open the government. The Senate or the president doesn't act. Fly home. Fly back. We're going to open the government, right? And so with the second we got that agreement, I wanted to take that vote. But it's not possible to get everyone assembled from across the country without 24 hours. That just the flight logistics of it just aren't possible. Maybe one one way to um, convince uh, recalcitrant members of both parties is if they uh, pass remote voting, they'll no longer have to be in the same room as often with Jim Jordan. You don't have to respond to that at all. No, no, but I, I will say this. <laughs> Let me say this. I, I think really the important point for people to take away and what I would say to every one of my colleagues is every single one of us has a duty to be in dialogue with the American people, with each other. And to be, you know, doing oversight and doing good policy making. And when we are required to come here and the public health guidelines make it hard for us to do that, we we actually lose a lot of that power. And so my constituents, I may be and I am listening, calling my constituents, doing virtual meetings to hear about how PPE is being produced by 3D printers in my district, talking with labor leaders, talking with teachers, trying to understand what hospitals need. But then I don't have any way to take that information and get it to into the lawmaking process. And so what does that mean? That means that we're really concentrating power in a handful of people, leadership, committee chairs, and the rank and file members who represent the full diversity ideologically as well as geographically of both parties are not having an active voice. And I think that means that a lot of our constituents' concerns are not being aired. Well, Katie Porter... Congresswoman, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for uh, uh, thanks for being in the fight, and uh, you know, stay safe and stay healthy. Uh, thanks for joining. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. When we come back, Akilah Hughes will quiz Ronan and I on uh, what we've learned about each other during quarantine. And because Travis wrote the questions, it was a genuine disaster. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. 
Did you know that women make up 56% of law students? That's grounds for bragging rights at a dinner table for your conservative uncle who still thinks women belong in the kitchen. It's clear that the future of the legal field is female. So why are so many legal podcasts and reviews authored by men? Hi, I'm Leah Littman. I'm Kate Shaw. And with Melissa Murray, we are the hosts of Strict Scrutiny. Each week, we break down the latest headlines and biggest legal questions facing our country through the lens of diverse voices to give you expert views you won't hear anywhere else. Strict Scrutiny is your guide to the Supreme Court. New episodes drop every Monday, plus bonuses whenever the Supreme Court takes away another one of our rights. Make sure to subscribe to Strict Scrutiny wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Joining us from us being together 24 hours a day. He loves it. He wants more. He doesn't. Could you just let me get through a sentence? Absolutely not. I've let him get through many sentences. <laughs> it's nothing but sentences between us. He's a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, author, the owner of the best damn Animal Crossing island on the planet. Please welcome back to the show, the Grim Reaper for Hansy Creepers. <laughs> Is that a new Ronan one? Ronan Farrow. Hi. Welcome, Ronan. Hey, guys. Remember when you posted a paparazzi photo of us where it looked like you were in a band and I was your lawyer? We both looked equally schlubby in that Right photo. now, when it comes to spending time as a couple, it's all about quantity, not quality. We cook together, clean together, complain about cooking and cleaning together. The point is... I do a little more cleaning. We are learning. Okay. No absolutely counting. Counting. not. Absolutely. Absolute, absolute lunacy. You sound like Trump. A lot. We're learning a lot about each other. And we wanted to see just how much we are learning in a segment we call the Achuli Spread Game. And as Kumail pointed out last time we played, sneezing is not a symptom of COVID-19. I was not briefed on this. I do not know what's happening. No, I haven't read the questions either. You and I both don't know the questions. Okay, see, great. See where it says in the cards here, love it, stop reading until the next yellow. Okay. I honored that. So I don't know what's about to happen. Since Ronan and I will be playing this game, we wanted to make sure I was impartial. So we brought in a ringer as the host of this game. She's the incredibly funny host of Crooked Media's What A Day podcast. My friend, your friend, love it or leave it returning champion, Akil Hughes. Hi, thank you guys so much for having me back uh, in wonderful circumstances. We're all very comfortable and nothing at all about this is unnatural. You, you ready for some couple counseling? I am so excited. That's what I came for. It's, it's going to be wonderful. Also, invite me to your fucking island, okay? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, invite, invite Akilah to your island. Bells for all. I got, I got some, uh, some bell trees that are popping. Yeah, please drop me some stuff because I am my Absolutely. island is the ghetto. I've got every fruit it does. That looks good. If anyone has cherries, Cherries, please write in. Send me some cherries. Oh, oh I have right. cherries. We have a trade. This is huh. this is enough incentive for me. I'm this bored, bored, okay. bored, boring. Uh, <laughs> All right, Akilah. fine. Here we go. Akila, over to you. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here's how it works, guys. All right, I'm going to ask one of you a question mm -hmm. about the other. Then that person is going to have to write down their answer, and you have to guess what they wrote down. Okay, great. Simple. Newlywed game, but <laughs> for a new generation. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, you guys ready? Mm-hmm. Here we go. This question's for Ronan. What meal has John made during quarantine that he was most proud of? I know the answer to this. Not that was the most delicious, but the one that he was most proud of. So I think the meal that I was proudest of was uh, salmon and a homemade Caesar salad. I think that is the dish I was proudest of. What did you write? Okay, so this requires a little explanation. <laughs> oh, no. There, oh. Were, there was a night... When uh, Jonathan over here <laughs> this is, had a couple of pot gummies. This is not fair. <laughs> I got very ambitious. Like everything was laid plans. out completely fairly, and you, you 
clearly got it wrong. So. We, we had not really uh, gotten the necessary groceries to make uh, queso fundito. <laughs> but uh, that is what uh, Jonathan tried to make set a, out to make. I tried to make a cheese dip, but all I had was cream cheese, ricotta, some leftover. It. Uh, he made a bowl of warm it. milk it with ricotta good. cheese it was floating good. in it. It was good. <laughs> it was you know lasagna. what? <laughs> and and I'll tell Mac. you, he was very proud. I was, even though that pride was under the influence. It was very salty. It was very salty. <laughs> Just a bowl of hot salty milk. Mm. Uh, it was cheesy. Stop it. it! You're making it sound worse than it was, and it didn't need work to sound worse than I it was. I was proud of you. Oh, you know, it's this. time to come back. Here we go, John. This question's for you. <laughs> what chore? Does Ronan go out of his way to avoid doing? <laughs> I am eager to find out. I feel like it'd be easier if it was what chore he doesn't right. go out right. of his way to avoid doing. So there's one, <laughs> there's one that's been of particular discussion. Mm. In my house, we we have a we have like a setup, but I think that we're neither of us are great at our chosen chore. So I'm excited to hear what you all have been going through. Ronan, what do you got? We have a weekly conversation about when we're going to do a, a like a thorough cleaning, reorganization of things. Uh-huh. And I think we both go out of our way to avoid that. So, yeah, I don't That is that the a, looming one. Yeah, but I don't consider that a chore you're going out of your way. I want to be clear. We're living like hoarders right no, now. Hey, don't let people in, all right? Don't. <laughs> all right, we're telling a story about ourselves. He's still in denial. Wait, Ronan. But we no, have a problem. Not, Ronan, think of a chore that's more daily. A daily that chore. You, there, that there's you, hints that, and stuff. Well, the that, reason we live like hoarders is no, no, neither no. of us does any daily chores. No, no, no. There's a specific <laughs> We need chore. to vacuum. That's one we've both been avoiding. Ronan, I created, I have a certain image. Okay, okay. Uh, the laundry? No. The laundry. I do the laundry, but not frequently enough. No, it's a. Okay. There's a chore. I'm going to help. There's a chore that actually has sort of made you feel bad when you go to do this chore the participant isn't interested. Oh, oh, yeah. All right. So Pundit loves me, like mm. will come and snuggle up against me and loves to play with me. Yes. Pundit hates to be walked by me. Oh. Mm-hmm. But there is like Pundit just doesn't have that relationship with me. It's mm. not the vibe. I, I My theory of the case is Pundit, Pundit is embarrassed. It was walking Pundit. To, to, walking to poop in front of me because <laughs> no. Pundit has so much respect for me. I'm going to allow it, but... Walking pundit is absolutely not a chore. <laughs> well, you know what? You know you? what? You know it's what? a joy. It's you a know gift. What? It's listen. It's not a chore. I, I. It's a chore I love, and here she is. She, but see? you see how she's trying to get to me? She <laughs> loves me, but she doesn't. It's like any trusted colleague of yours. You don't want to poop good. in front of them. So you know That's we respect good. her choice, and I do less walking with pundit. <laughs> so anyway, the. Ugh. This is going terribly here. I love it. Here. All right. Okay. Next I hope question. The ne- I hope the next question is about divorce. Go on. Oh, my goodness. Dark. It's so, not dark. So quick to the end. <laughs> right? We're enjoying it. What a it. quitter. Right. Yeah. This is, this is why he also gives up on cleaning. It's the same. All right. Uh, this question is going to be for Ronan. All right. So what is something that annoys you about being quarantined with John that you are just, you know, resigned to living with now? <laughs> I love this. I, I honestly feel like I'm getting, you know, just a little bird's eye view of what goes on in the Pharaoh Lovett household. I tend not to be interested in co-op video games. Ooh. So you think that like he wants to play a game with you and you're like, I'm He likes I'm co-op good. video games and I don't really like them as much. 
Yeah, can the people rise up and demand like in Gladiator or something that Jonathan play video what, games with you me? You know what? We're not we're not we've given these people enough calls to action. What is on your piece of paper? <laughs> on my piece of paper is AirPods in slash constant oh. never ending work call. Oh, that's oh, very yeah. that's so I'm on the phone a lot and it is a revolving set. That is true. So I have a bunch of, you know, I'll talk to people during the day on the phone and then that does go right into when I walk pundit, I'll call Spencer. We both do work calls, but Jonathan doesn't draw a distinction between when he's on a work call and not. So he'll just okay. be like in the kitchen talking to me and then he'll say like, stop, Sarah's answering. <laughs> Referring to his colleague. Like there, there are other people in our What's house in our next relationship. Question, you think? Do you think there's some more questions? <laughs> yeah, there's a few more. What's the last thing John made you watch that you really didn't want to watch, but you watched it anyway? Oh, oh well, we <laughs> both know easy. the answer to this, this. is easy. This because is this conversation easy. was ongoing today this and yesterday. <laughs> this is very easy. Well, this is right. Yes, this is very simple. Look at me writing down the answer in a small font. Well, oh my goodness. <laughs> the answer is 2012, a film starring John Cusack. No, the answer is obviously The Saint, a no, no, film no. starring Val Kilmer. No, no, no. Excuse me. Excuse me. I tried How? to make do you, you watch. But do you see the, the caliber of movie? Okay, I just want to be clear. I refuse. Jonathan Lovett has demanded that I watch The Saint and 2012. I, I have demanded that he watch Spirited Away and at least one Ingmar Bergman movie, and he won't do either. It's art house over here. It's AFI's Top 100 over here. But I want to watch Jump Things. Spirited Away is going fun. On in it the is world. a kid's movie. I have, you have not let me show you the film, the 1990s quintessential film, The Saint, a movie about a genuine creep played by Val Kilmer who tricks Elizabeth Shue into falling in love and is treated like a hero. It is the perfect 90s movie. I he watched 20 minutes accents. of him doing accent he work. He pulls out money from his crotch and this is so sexually alluring to Elizabeth Shue. She chases oh. him out of the restaurant. The answer was 2012. I lived through 20 minutes Next of Val Kilmer's weeks and accent Wild. work. We love Wild. Val Kilmer. You were but... both so certain you would get it. And then we didn't <laughs> watch it. You watched 2012. Unbelievable. Well, 2012 in The Saint. It was in the ballpark. I was Anyway, I knew I should have said The Saint because I knew he was right. going to get it wrong. What's the next question? All right, John. <laughs> if you could change one thing about Ronan during quarantine. What are you trying to do? To Why are you us? tearing us apart? I didn't Kayla? write these questions. We are so going to turn on like Akila. Hey, Travis, you can go fuck yourself. I, <laughs> there you go. Not much of a, you know what? Not What's getting much game, of Travis? a comedy show to write. You want to okay? be stuck with him forever? If I am, if, if this falls <laughs> apart, do you understand how much depends on this working out? All right. I am not a, this is, this is a delicate lattice work. Of more delicate of, now than 20 minutes ago. I meant my. <laughs> okay, I know what it's going to be. What say something sweet and then Stop it'll it. make everything better. <laughs> even if it's wrong, just say the nice thing. I wish uh, you were so, so good at this, Akila. <laughs> I date you. <laughs> For those listening at home, we are fine. Fine. We're fine. Very fine. We're fine. Yeah, we're fine. Uh, honestly, they're just like, this is how they cut up. They're like the cutest little babies. You're in the oh neighborhood God. too. I wish I could wave. I know. All right. I know. Um, um, I'm supposed to guess. You have to guess. What is yeah. the one thing he would change? Something that something that we've had a couple conversations about, where you and I have a kind of natural difference. He would like me to uh, surrender all cooking aspirations and just clean for him. <laughs> That's fuck. That is the. I, it was early bedtime. Jesus <laughs> Christ. 
No, do you even okay. know me? Why did you go to that something was... so hostile? This is so clearly the right no, answer. That's true, but that's hostile too. We wow. fight a lot about bedtime. So wait, who likes the early bedtime? He I, likes the. I want. He, I go to bed. Here is the problem. He wants to. It, it, the the root cause of the arguments is that Jonathan wants to get up early, which is I very do. fair. I wake up every day. Or but so what early. Jonathan will not acknowledge, well, acknowledge here or in any other conversations yeah, is that he actually also doesn't want to go to bed. I early. don't want to go to bed. It's fun. To what go. he wants to do is go through the exercise of shutting everything down and getting into bed for an unwinding uh, period, and then to stay awake for a very long time and sort of badger me a lot. While I'm trying I have, to sleep. I have questions about the news. He has questions about the news. <laughs> you try to be There's filthy. He wants some, he wants some saw, hot scoops. Like I saw Mark, you know, you see Mark Warner wake, making a tuna melt in the microwave. You want to tell somebody. Yeah, you want to you wanna talk about what that house must smell like. It's fair. I'm here for that. It's fine. We're fine. Well, it has been hey, a delight. Hey, Travis, turn on your fucking, turn on your microphone. You coward. And turn on your video. Get in here. Look us in the eyes. Look us in the eyes. <laughs> what? Like, what are you trying? What is this? Is this a game where you try to see if our relationship is strong enough to survive your fucking negativity? Yeah. I mean, what's the one thing you would change? It's pretty brutal. Let's see how tough you are. Let's see how tough you are without your Google Doc, you son of a bitch. Look at this. This is stronger than ever. This is what you're going to pick a fight with? This? Well, this has been great. Look, America loves you. And you know what America would love more? You falling apart. <laughs> That's true. That's true. They like to build things People up. People love and tear a comeback story. Uh, Akila, thank you so much. Um, so, what do you do? You take insurance? I don't know how some some therapists take it, some don't. <laughs> I look forward I to like, our my next premiums session, are through Akilah. the roof. Well, I don't even know if you take, guys can afford. Sometimes you'll take the like you know. There's the minimum through insurance. Then there's like sort of you pay above that. I don't know how you yeah. work. Yeah, um, well, it's definitely way above insurance. Um, You're worth every dime, Akila. Thank you so much. Every, We're stronger than ever. I just want to say uh, congrats to Akila Hughes. You won the game. Thank you to Travis Helwig, uh, who has lost the game. And Our respect. <laughs> our respect. Uh, thank you to Ronan Farrow uh, for everything. That was a very hard booking, you guys. Thank you. So, yeah. How did he find me? <laughs> he was so unavailable. When we come back, delight. whatever is supposed to happen next in the show, I'm I'm done. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye. When we come back, we'll hear your high notes. Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. Did you know that women make up 56% of law students? That's grounds for bragging rights at the dinner table for your conservative uncle who still thinks women belong in the kitchen. It's clear that the future of the legal field is female. So why are so many legal podcasts and reviews authored by men? Hi, I'm Leah Littman. I'm Kate Shaw. And with Melissa Murray, we are the hosts of Strict Scrutiny. Each week, we break down the latest headlines and biggest legal questions facing our country through the lens of diverse voices to give you expert views you won't hear anywhere else. Strict Scrutiny is your guide to the Supreme Court. New episodes drop every Monday, plus bonuses whenever the Supreme Court takes away another one of our rights. Make sure to subscribe to Strict Scrutiny wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So we know that this is a hard time, and so we wanted to once again share some of the high notes uh, that listeners have been sharing with us. So here it is, this week's high note. Hi, John. Um, my name is Jennifer, and I live in Berkeley, California. Um, I went into the hospital for a double mastectomy, and about two weeks later, we started sheltering in place here in California. Um, my daughter's school closed, and my uh, elderly Jewish parents who had come here to help me got stuck here. But on the bright side, um, cancer-free, 
Um, what gives me hope is that I live across from a big park, and there is a man in the neighborhood who walks dogs free for people who are sick or frail and would have to give up their dogs otherwise. Um, he not only walks them, but he loves them. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, love it. My name is Erin, and I'm a librarian in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And my high note of the week was we were able to still hold a Red Cross blood drive at our library, despite the library being closed. And they had over 52 donations of blood that day, and every appointment was booked. Thanks. Hi, this is Sam from Los Angeles, and my high note is my dog. I decided to foster him recently because shelters were shutting down and they needed emergency fosters, and I thought, you know what, Um, sure. But uh, as someone who struggled with depression and loneliness, having a dog during the quarantine and all the isolation has been amazing, and I've decided to adopt him. So he has a new home with me, and that's behind him. I love it. My name is Megan. I'm from Maine. And uh, my high note for this quarantine time has been the weird variety of dreams that I've had. Um, I work in a retail store, and I had a dream one night that we were back in the store and that Nancy Pelosi was coming to visit, and we were trying to prepare our store to look perfect for her. And my favorite is when I had a dream about going to an awards show with the cast of Schitt's Creek as Dan Levy's date. So um, quite a variety going on in my life, but at least it's something to uh, wake up and laugh a little bit about every day. Hey, love it. My name's Rachel. I'm calling from Phoenix, Arizona. Um, my high note of the week is that every day I take a walk around my neighborhood, and I always see a father and his young daughter. He's teaching her how to ride her bike. So the past few weeks, she's always had training wheels, and when I walked by this past weekend, I saw that her training wheels are off, and she has successfully learned how to ride a bike during quarantine. So it gave me a lot of hope that although it feels like time is standing still, good things are still happening. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, who submitted those high notes. If you want to leave us a message about something that gave you hope this week, you can call us at 424-341-4193. It is 192 days until the election. You can sign up for Vote Save America right now to defeat Donald Trump, keep the House, and win back the Senate. A special thank you this week to our friends at the Cash App who joined with Crooked in helping us uh, to support our friends uh, who work at the Improv, our home, when we can do the live show. And we're excited and very hopeful about getting back to doing the live show uh, at some point soon. Thank you to Congresswoman Katie Porter, to John Hodgman, to Ronan Farrow, to Akila Hughes, and everyone who called in. Thank you to our grocery workers, truck drivers, and delivery people. Thank you to our doctors and our nurses. And thank you to our whole staff working to keep this show going out every week and everybody at Crooked who's keeping our company going strong. And a special shout out to Elisa, Sydney, and Sarah, who worked really hard to make sure that we could work with our friends at the Cash App uh, to help our friends at the Improv. So thank you for doing that. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great weekend. Love It or Leave It is a product of Crooked Media. It is written and produced by me, John Lovett, Elisa Gutierrez, Lee Eisenberg, and our head writer, former Mike Bloomberg speechwriter, Travis Helwig. Jocelyn Kaufman, Alicia Carroll, and Peter Miller are the writers. Bill Lance is our audio editor, and Stephen Colon is our sound engineer. Sydney Rapp is our assistant producer, and August Dichter is our intern. Our theme song is written and performed by Sure Sure. Thanks to our designers, Jesse McLean and Jamie Skeel, for creating and running all of our visuals, which you can't see because this is a podcast. And to our digital producers, Narm Malconian and Yale Freed, for filming and editing video each week so you can.